Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, welcome to Coffee Chat with Camille. The title of our show today is How Did an Appalachian Bluegrass Boy Become a Hollywood Star? Our guest today is Randall Franks. He's a former NBC and CBS actor, best known as Officer Randy Good from the heat of the night. Multiple Hall of Fame Appalachian entertainer, author of nine books, syndicated columnist, president of the nonprofit Share American Foundation, encouraging youth in Appalachian music, and former vice mayor and volunteer downtown development authority chairman. We would like for you to support him or visitors can find specific details and photos about all aspects of Randall's career and by visiting the store. See his latest releases at Randall, spelled R-A-N-D-A-L-L, Franks, F-R-A-N-K-S, dot com. Okay, so I am going to let Randall in right now to our studio. Hi, Randall. How are you? Hello, Camille. <laughs> Welcome to Coffee Chat with me. How how are you doing overall? Oh, I'm very, very blessed. Uh, just uh, looking forward to a wonderful uh, holiday season and uh, have had a wonderful time uh, of late yes. doing a lot of work in my local community. So it always blesses yes. me to go out and uh, do things that encourage other folks. Yes, that was wonderful. And I'd like to get right into asking you some questions. So how do you choose your projects in which to act? Well, it's it's always a, a, an opportunity. Anytime the phone rings and you, there's a director or a producer on the other end that wants you to read a script, uh, and I always find it fascinating to learn more about what they're wanting to do with their story or the characters they're developing. So I'm, I very intensely read what's being sent to me. I want to know the depth of the character. I want to know what the overall objective of the film that they're creating is in their mind um, before I decide whether I want to be part of the project. Uh, it's a very positive opportunity to portray whether it's a, a fictional character or you're, sometimes you're playing an actual person that has lived or is living. Um, but my opportunities always come to me, um, I think, sometimes by providence. And I get the opportunity to look at a, a role and say, no, that's not quite right for me, and I move on, or that's yes, I want to do that role. So it's really just an intensive process of, of reviewing what the writer, producer has created and what exactly they want me to do with it. But I, I am a little particular in I want to generally play roles which I see the folks who have come to know me through the years, whether in acting or music, will enjoy seeing me. And now that doesn't mean I won't play a villain every now and again. It just means mm-hmm. that I want there to be the appropriate uh, 
just desserts to that uh, villain's activities. Oh, excellent. And um, you have written a book series on encouragers. What inspired you to write it? Primarily all of the people who made it possible for me to sustain a career uh, and to live in a, in a world where I was given so many opportunities, whether it be in music or acting or uh, writing. Um, there have been individuals, whether they were everyday folks or other actors or, or entertainers, who've taken the time to give me a bit of themselves. Now, that might just be an encouraging word here and there, or it may have been intensive mentorship um, in various aspects of what I wanted to do and the experiences that they have had. So in my book series, I focused on all the way from childhood, people who uh, made a difference. And, uh, you know, these span from Bob Hope, uh, the, you know, who most everybody knows, to uh, yes. Reddle Inn, to Bill Monroe, to uh, Jim and Jesse McReynolds, the Grand Ole Opry stars, um, yes. uh, Roy Rogers, Ken Curtis, so many others uh, that have um, been a part of my life at different points. And, of course, uh, you know, the wonderful people I've worked with in so many films and on so many stages. Oh, that's wonderful. And then um, you found success in several musical genres. Which is your favorite? Well, I would have to say that it's uh, bluegrass music is my favorite uh, overall. Um, that is such a uh, uplifting uh, style of music to me uh, coming from Appalachia. Uh, we have, um, you know, in being exposed to the basic instruments of the fiddle and the mandolin, the guitar, the banjo, the bass, the mountain dulcimer, mm-hmm. and some of the other instruments that were fairly well entrenched in our culture, uh, hearing those sounds together along with the wonderful harmonies that have been created, uh, it just it uplifts me every time I hear it, and it's always a pleasure to get the opportunity to stand on stage with other talented bluegrass musicians and um, work to uplift an audience. Wonderful. And then do you have a favorite album or recording from your work? Yes. um, I would say I have two. One is my is my Christmas album that I did with the cast of In the Heat of the Night. It's called Christmas Times Are Coming. And that project was uh, such a labor of love for me because the men and women that I worked with on the show were were family to me, and I was able to take them into the studio and help them reach some goals. They weren't most, of course, the actors, uh, you know, really – uh, we're not vocationally singers, but many of them could sing, and we did some wonderful music that has continued over the last 30 years to touch people. In fact, as we speak, the album is, it has went on to the charts, the global all-time holiday Christmas albums chart. It's currently at number 44, and that's 32 oh. years after its original release, and so 
it's in there with some of the top albums in history globally in wow. Christmas music. And so that's a, that's a big project because it was a labor of love for me. And we did it for a wonderful cause of uh, yeah. encouraging uh, youth to um, youth and adults to choose to live a drug-free life. And that was what its original purpose was and what it continues to raise money uh, to do. Uh, my second uh, favorite album is one called uh, uh, Tunes and Tales from Tunnel Hill, which was a fun album that I recorded with uh, some talented bluegrass musicians, which has just, to me, the wonderful feel of a comedy uh, and bluegrass show that uh, that is just uplifting. Wonderful. And um, do you have um, a favorite Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, yes. Do you have a favorite album or rec- recording from your work? Mm, yeah, I, isn't that what we just covered? Oh, yeah, sure uh, did. So sorry about that. <laughs> I'm no sorry. problem. I'll, well, I'll uh, do more if you want. <laughs> okay, it's okay. What was um, Carol O'Connor like to work with? Oh, Carol. Um Carol was such a blessing to my life. Of course, he's featured in my Encouragers book series, and he appears on that Christmas album uh, where I got to produce him on that. But um, from the first time I saw him in person, you know, my first reaction was, um, wow, there's Archie Bunker, because I had grown up watching All in the Family. And um, I never envisioned from that moment that God would open the door for me to have Carol as a friend, uh, as a mentor. Um, You know, I was able to um, become part of his extended family in that he he treated me oftentimes uh, like a son. Uh, From my perspective, we called him Pops. And so he was a fatherly figure for me at a time when uh, I needed one. he gave me a great deal of advice and encouragement as far as working with him day to day. Uh, he was jovial. He was uplifting. He tried to keep uh, the set light when we were on the set, but at the same time, he was a very um, dedicated uh, to his craft person. And he cared about uh, what was written in the scripts. He cared about how we acted, what was put on the page. He cared about ultimately the, every aspect of the show. So he was a very uh, dedicated producer. And in that, you know, sometimes, um, you know, his focus was totally on perfecting what he saw his vision of the heat of the night to be. Um, uh, So I I loved working with him. I learned so much from him. uh, And um, I was blessed to have him in my life and uh, I, I miss miss him every day I you know every time mm-hmm. I'm in an acting situation I think back and say well I wonder what Carol would say to that or what advice he would give me in a particular situation mm-hmm. so wonderful man oh that's wonderful and then who was your who was your favorite actor to work with <laughs> That That is an awfully tough question because I've been blessed to work with so many outstanding, legendary actors through the years. Of course, 
mentioning Carol. Carol was wonderful to work with. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go uh, from In the Heat of the Night to uh, one of the movies uh, that I did, uh, which was uh, a beautiful Hallmark Hall of Fame project. And I was able to work with William Hurt in that project, the late mm. William Hurt. And yes. um, it, was a, it was a picture called The Flamingo Rising. It was a very small cast uh, of, you know, there were only a handful of us in the picture. And, and, but the scene that I got to play, he was so giving. Uh, and uh, it, in fact, it was my return. I had been off of CBS, uh, you know, from 1994 to 2001. So it was my return to CBS. They brought me back to do this uh, cameo role, once again, as a police officer on CBS, to play in the 50th anniversary Hallmark Hall of Fame. So it was such a pleasure. And uh, he and the other cast were great to work with. But I, I fondly remember that time of getting to be with such a, an amazing actor and, and yeah. someone who was kind and giving. And uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll claim him today as that my favorite. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much. And you give scholarships annually in your late parents' names. What brought that about? Well, uh, you know, as I was coming up in Georgia, the way that I got into music was the dedication of my mother and father, who were not in the music business. Um, They were business people and uh, worked very hard at what they did. And at an early age, I suggested to them that I had an interest in playing music as professionally. And so with their um, work, we were able to quickly move me into a situation where I was performing. I, you know, circumstances of jam sessions at our house on Friday night eventually formed into a band and that band began traveling and we wound up at the uh, Grand Old Opry within a short span of time. Uh, guest starring there, and uh, my parents were instrumental in that. And among that time frame, those first seven years of my music career, we had over 25 youth that worked with us in that band. And uh, the dedication I saw of my parents and and those youth parents all investing in them and their hopes and dreams in the music industry, that stuck with me. And uh, later... You know, we've always had tried to encourage young people through our shows, you know, and any time we had an opportunity to, to feature somebody who was, you know, trying to come up in the business, just like Bill Monroe and Jim Jesse and so many others, Cotton Carrier, had done for me as a youth, we have, I've in turn, tried to do the same to young people uh, in my shows, but... Um, when my late mother uh, was nearing the end, she suggested that, uh, you know, I take some of my time to create a scholarship that would encourage youth in Appalachian music. And we, as a matter of fact, used her home going service uh, as the initial fundraiser for that uh, scholarship. And it continues thankfully to grow each and every year. And we, um, Although since the pandemic, we, we've not had any fundraisers, but uh, we can always use additional funds because just this year we've um, encouraged uh, 
We've got a young man going to the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga who's a wonderfully talented uh, piano player, Southern Gospel piano player and a drummer. We've got a young man who's an outstanding guitarist that's going to Chattanooga State. Who's uh, And we've got uh, another young banjo player that we've taken on as a uh, designated scholar as he he's a junior in high school. We've got a young lady who's a fiddle player up in Indiana who we're supporting. So we've got a lot of young people who were mentoring in their craft, uh, no matter what their focus is going to be in their careers. You know, we've got in our history of the uh, scholarship fund for the Share America Foundation, which gives the Pearl and Floyd Frank Scholarship, We've got over 30 young people, and there are doctors and nurses and mechanical engineers and, um, you know, uh, dental hygienists and teachers. And, you know, there's so many different vocations that they have wound up in through the years, but they all have that spark of music that they're continuing to share. And that's what's, that's what it, how it came about and why we continue to do it. It just uh, people invested in me, and uh, you know, my my late mother knew that that would be something that would uh, be a great focus for my time and energies. Yes, and then um, did you? Ch- oh, excuse me. You chose to make your first fiction book a mis- a murder mystery, and why? Yes, yes. Um, let me backtrack just a second. For anybody who wants to okay. donate to Share America Foundation, shareamericafoundation.org, you can find things you can donate there and be a part of that scholarship. And moving on to the okay. to my <laughs> my murder mystery, which is uh, yeah. a badge or an old guitar, um, which is, you know, I've written, as you mentioned, nine books. Most, uh, you know, all of the books have been. Uh, Nonfiction, but I wanted to do a project which looked at the story uh, that I had written uh, for a movie. And uh, we actually Mm -hmm. started with the movie script, and we uh, took the movie script and expanded into a novel. uh, And it focuses on a small-town police officer in Georgia and uh, the experiences he's going through and doing his job there, and he just sort of finds himself in a situation where he uh, accidentally, he goes into the studio, his uncle's studio and records a song, and it becomes a hit. And next thing he knows, he's moving up the uh, interest ladder in uh, the big music city of Nashville. And uh, when he's there, he gets embroiled in a murder mystery. And that's, that's the basic gist of, uh, you know, the story that we tell in that book. And um, that particular uh, book has been so well received, and of course, folks can find it at our randallfranks.com slash store, and I'll autograph it for them if they want to uh, get one of those. And, and of course, I hope someday we'll get to make it into a movie as well, because that was its original intent. Uh, but that's how it uh-huh. came about. Excellent. Thank you. And then how did a fiddler from Appalachia wind up a Hollywood actor? You know that that is definitely a uh, providential God thing because um, I could have never imagined uh, that little boy from uh, Georgia getting an opportunity to be um, a network television 
star or, and to uh, get to do movies. And uh, when I was a little kid, uh, there were two folks or two groups that inspired my desire to be on television more than anyone, and that was Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs from their appearances on the Beverly Hillbillies. And uh, a group called the Dillards, who appeared as the Darlings on the Andy Griffith Show. And mm-hmm. I remember telling my late parents that uh, I want to do what they did, what they do. And um, and so it took a number of years to get to that point that that childhood dream was realized. Uh, and but through the Doors that opened and music and then eventually when acting opportunities began to come to me because of the recognition that I had received in music and uh, you know there was an audience. So they saw me as someone who was a viable um, commodity, I guess, or a viable actor that they could uh, put on television and it would be somebody, some, some folks would watch. So let's put it that way. There were folks that cared about what I did, so they would watch when I went to television or on a movie. And um, that's sort of how it worked out. Now, the doors opened for me, and literally, uh, I'll share this short, short bit about In the Heat of the Night in particular. I had already done a film called Desperate for Love uh, for CBS with Christian Slater and Brian Bloom uh, as a singer. And... Um, uh, that's about the same time that movie came out in the heat of the night came on the air for its pilot season. Uh, and it was, uh, the first episode I turned around, uh, my, my late mom and I watched it and I turned around this, at the end of it. I said, if I'm ever going to be on television, it's going to be on this show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that was my, uh, Oral prayer, more or less. I wasn't saying it as a prayer, but I think God heard that because yes. within from from March of 1988 to August of 1988, He had motivated that the show, which was being filmed in Hammond, Louisiana, move mm-hmm. locations from Hammond to Georgia, where I was at. So I I didn't oh. have to go to Hollywood. I didn't have to go yes. to Louisiana. He moved the show, and then uh, he precipitated a call to me by from one of the casting people saying, "We, I want you to go down to the show the first day of filming uh, and be an extra on the show because I feel like they're going to like you. There's nothing particular for you to do except just go be, in, be a townsperson in these scenes that they're filming that day. I said, okay. So five o'clock, mm-hmm. I show up. I'm standing outside the wardrobe trailer, and a man walks by, looks me up and down, says, "You look an awful lot like a police officer." I said, "Thank you," <laughs> and he went on his way. I didn't know who he was, uh, and this was still like five o'clock in the morning. It was dark, you know, outside, and so I'm standing there. And uh, as the day progresses, you know, they put me uh, in my first scene with Carol O'Connor uh, in a what. Well, we call in the business a silent bit where it's just me and him and, you know, he's, uh, you know, I'm doing something. So it looks like there's something going on between us. And he, of course that opened my relationship that with Carol, that was our first conversations and that, uh, you know, off camera with that scene. 
Um, and then over the next few weeks, they kept bringing me back and bringing me back and putting me with the different actors. And of course, that first day I met everybody who was starring on the show. And um, a few weeks later, they came and said, well, we're going to add another police character to the show, and we want you to be it. So that didn't have anything to do for me with anything but God placing me there, opening those doors, putting the right people in the right place to say, this is the guy, we want him, and uh, creating all of the open opportunities that then allowed me to spend thus the next five years on NBC and then CBS as Officer Randy Good, and then, you know, all the movies and television shows and series that have come from those days since. Um, you know, it's just sort of a rolling uh, snowball that keeps going downhill, and thankfully it's not hit bottom yet, and I still get the opportunity to do more with each passing year. Yes, thank you so, so very much. I want you to know I was very nervous to have you on. I read your your bio, and I do recall you from the heat of the night. Uh, my mother is a massive fan of the show. And um, oh, wonderful. It, yeah. Yes, and, and so many What's are tonight, my mother. Lynn Bryant. Lynn, well, Lynn Bryant. Well, hello, Lynn. Thank you for watching our show. <laughs> I appreciate oh. you so much, and you're very oh. kind to make us part of your life. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Uh, I'm just so thrilled, and I want to thank you again. And I learned so much about you. I'm definitely going to check out. Uh, desperate for love, you said. With uh, was that correct? With William Hurt, is that the correct movie? Uh, no, no. Uh, that movie which one was, was the it? Flamingo Rising. Oh, the that Flamingo Rising. Hurt. I apologize. The Flamingo yes. Rising. The Flamingo yeah, it's Rising. It's a Hallmark Hall of Fame. Okay. And it still should be available somewhere on a Hallmark Channel or in the Hallmark system. But wonderful film with Brian Bendel okay. and Elizabeth McGovern from. Okay. Uh, Abby yes. now. I love Elizabeth. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Wonderful. And then also, where could our listeners receive an autograph book again? I think you had mentioned it. Yes, you can go to randallfranks.com/store, okay. and you can order our, any of our Encourager series or the Murder Mystery. We've also got our um, Appalachian. Uh, Mountain Pearl book, which is stories of my mother and my grandparents in Appalachia. So you, any of those, and there are more books available through Amazon as well, and you can find the Randall Franks page on Amazon. But come to my site because I'll autograph them for you. Randallfranks.com. Okay, Randallfranks.com. Okay. Yes, and I left the um, link in the description of the show as well, and I will add shareamerica.org. ShareAmericaFoundation.org. ShareAmericaFoundation.org. Okay. Thank you so much, Randall. And also, I just want you to know, I love your accent. It is just so soothing and beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. And I'm going to say goodbye. It's my pleasure to be with you, Camille. Oh, thank you, Randall. Pleasure for me as well. I'm just ecstatic. So goodbye for now, and um, take care, okay? I'll do my very best. And folks can find me anywhere on almost every social media site if they want to follow or subscribe. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you.
All right, everyone. That was so wonderful, Randall Franks. And um, again, you can go to Randall, R-A-N-D-A-L-L, Franks, F-R-A-N-K-S dot com. Okay, and there you can find um, photos and all kind of wonderful things or aspects of Randall's career. All right, there's a store and his latest releases because he is a musician. Okay, so it was such a pleasure having Mr. Franks on. And uh, thank you all for listening. And I hope you have very happy holidays. Goodbye.